everyone. Welcome to the Speaking of Arkansas podcast, coming to you from the folks at the Ar- Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I'm Greg Harton, the newspaper's editorial page editor. For listeners who have been driving for a while, think back to the last time a law enforcement officer pulled you over for a traffic violation. Maybe it was for doing 48 in a 30 miles per hour zone, or it might be an expired license plate or a busted taillight. Isn't it unnerving to be pulled over by an officer, even in the best of circumstances? It's rarely for a pat on the back for good driving skills. It's automatically a tense interaction. Now imagine if you had other issues going on, whether it was you know, potentially an illicit drug in the car or something stolen in the back or uh, just some past interaction with police that still lingered on your mind. Um, or maybe there's an outstanding warrant for something uh, in the past, uh, whether it's a traffic offense, failure to appear, something along those lines. Traffic stops can get intense fairly quickly. And as we've seen from some high-profile cases, they can sometimes spin out of control, resulting in a use of force, sometimes with deadly consequences. Dr. Jordan Blair Woods has some serious suggestions for police reform. Some might even call it upheaval in the way communities use their certified law enforcement officers. Woods is an associate professor of law at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. An upcoming edition of the Stanford Law Review includes Woods' research article titled Traffic Without the Police. In it, he makes a case that removing routine traffic enforcement from traditional police officers and enforcement agencies would reduce traffic stops that unfairly target motorists based on race and other considerations. He also suggests that this new approach could stem the number of incidents where traffic stops become violent. Uh, Jordan Blair Woods, thanks for joining us today on Speaking of Arkansas. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to discuss my research and uh, to answer any questions that you have. Uh, Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, So I've given this very, very basic description of your research. Um, Give me a a bit of a more detailed description of of what it is you're trying to achieve and and what suggestions your paper um, puts out there that you feel like ought to be considered. Sure. So uh, I am both a law professor and a criminologist, and a major area and focus of my research focuses on traffic stops and, in particular, uh, policing and law enforcement activity during traffic stops. And in this paper, what I'm arguing is, in light of decades of traffic stops um, really being a site of over-policing and over-criminalization, especially for communities of color uh, and Black and uh, Latinx drivers in particular, uh, a new framework that gives us a different path to reimagine how we think about traffic enforcement, approach traffic enforcement, where we get traffic safety and we're able to enforce traffic laws without having the police involved. And my view is that moving to a new framework or a different system of traffic enforcement has uh, major benefits for a lot of the problems that we're seeing uh, unfold during traffic stops that escalate between the police and stop drivers and citizens today. And you mentioned this new framework. Um, Go ahead and kind of give uh, our listeners a chance to understand what that framework looks like. 
Sure. So right now, in terms of our current traffic uh, enforcement approach, and really this is across states and localities in the United States, is we primarily rely on uh, police officers and typically armed police officers to be the ones to primarily enforce traffic laws, uh, mostly through traffic stops uh, and in-person traffic stops on our roads and highways. And what my uh, sort of new vision of traffic enforcement looks like is that we wouldn't have uh, police officers and in particular armed police officers be in charge of traffic enforcement. What we would do instead is states and localities would create separate public bodies that uh, are ultimately responsible for hiring their own uh, civil employees that would be separate from the police. They would operate independently from the police. And those uh, who I call traffic monitors would be the ones who are in charge of enforcing traffic laws uh, on our roads and highways rather than the police. And is this a, a framework that, um, you know, one of the challenges right now is, is, gosh, I don't even know how many law enforcement agencies we have in Arkansas, but there are a lot of them, a lot of fiefdoms out there. Um, and everybody has kind of their own policies, sets of laws, the way they approach enforcement. Is this something that could really only work if you're applying it like across the nation or across a state? Um, or or is it, can it be done if you adopted this department by department? Right, so, uh, you know, this is where, um, you know, there's gonna have to be a lot of conversations among uh, different communities, within different communities. Um, it's definitely possible to start with a few jurisdictions that want to experiment with this approach. And in fact, we have one jurisdiction, uh, the city of Berkeley, California, that uh, in July 2020 uh, voted to essentially adopt a new uh, traffic enforcement system that looks like this approach. Uh, and you know, they're in the process of figuring out how to execute it. Um, so, you know, it's going to take time for this new approach to, uh, you know, take way across states and localities. It doesn't have to all happen in one swoop across an entire state or across the country. Um, but the hope is that as more and more jurisdictions move in this direction, um, they'll see the advantages of this approach. And you know, in particular, uh, you know, the key intervention that this new system makes is it reduces uh, you know, the extent to which traffic stops can unfold into these unfortunate killings of, you know, mostly uh, unarmed people of color who are uh, stopped on the roads and highways, and that more and more jurisdictions will see uh, the advantages of this approach and then, uh, you know, hopefully adopt it moving ahead. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the it seems like your your approach... Um, does to a certain degree assume that people being pulled over would have a would eventually have a greater understanding of uh, okay this this is not the law enforcement officer pulling me over this is a traffic monitor pulling me over he's he or she is unarmed um, they're just going to write me a ticket for the traffic violation um, uh, they're not going to check for outstanding warrants they're they're not you know, looking for, you know, illicit drugs in the car, those mm -hmm. sorts of things. And, and it sort of assumes that the people in the driver's seat are going to understand that and not um, not react um, to a person, you know, in authority coming up to their window and, 
and mm-hmm. and and writing them a ticket or or whatever it is that they would do. Is it fair, you think, to to believe that that the people being pulled over, uh, especially if one jurisdiction does this, like here in in Northwest Arkansas, you know, you can hardly tell when you leave Fayetteville and go into Springdale. Um, so is it is it fair to think that people are going to have that kind of nuanced view of these two different agencies? Right. So I think there's absolutely going to have to be a broader uh, public education and, uh, you know, public dialogue around, um, you know, these types of new uh, uh, enforcement mechanisms and the, you know, when they, you know, essentially are adopted in particular localities. Um, You know, my view is that, you know, states would have uh, you know, a strong um, you know, incentive to try to uh, help as many, you know, localities or municipalities in uh, their reach to adopt these types of systems. But public education campaigns are one way that we could deal with this. Uh, an important uh, aspect that, um, you know, folks who are thinking about adopting these systems uh, are, are proposing is that, you know, these new civil agencies, you know, when you actually get pulled over by a traffic monitor, um, just visually, the folks that are doing um, this type of work, you know, in terms of their uniforms, their clothing, their cars, um, it, they can't look like police. And so one of the hopes is that, um, you know, there are um, practical ways in terms of, um, you know, clothing, uh, cars, and other sorts of signaling in combination with public education uh, that, you know, we would raise awareness about this type of uh you know, new approach that would be unfolding. Okay. The, um, let, let's kind of step back just a little bit and talk about traffic <laughs> stops. Um, you know, for some people out there, you know, traffic stops that they've experienced may have never kind of devolved into something uh, problematic. You know, they, they get a ticket or they get a warning and they drive off and you know, they, they grouse about it, but that's about ex- the extent of it. What, what, is, what is the experience that you are, um, are citing or have experienced or, or any of those uh, in, in the, the background or the research that you've had that, what, what is the problem with traffic stops uh, that you see that need to be fixed? Right. So there is definitely one view of the traffic stop. And in fact, you know, many courts, including the Supreme Court, have really adopted this view that traffic stops are just momentary inconveniences where you get pulled over, maybe you get a warning or a traffic ticket. It lasts a few moments and then you go on your way. Uh, but for many people who are stopped uh, and in particular, uh, people from communities of color and uh, Black and Latinx drivers in particular, uh, the traffic stop isn't just a momentary inconvenience. Um, as just a, a, a cultural symbol, um, the traffic stop is a site of fear. Um, it's a site where um, you don't necessarily know how the situation is going to devolve. And part of the problem is that traffic stops have been used in terms of um, you know crime control and criminal investigations in ways that are pretextually targeting communities of color, and it's this type of pretextual targeting uh, in combination with 
um, you know, the fear and the types of escalation that really occurs during traffic stops that make traffic stops much more than just these momentary inconveniences. And these unfortunate killings after killing after killing that um, are occurring, you know, and in particular killings of unarmed uh, black men uh, and women during traffic stops are, are really illustrating this point that traffic stops are not just momentary inconveniences. The way in which traffic stops are used as, uh, as a law enforcement tool is contributing to all sorts of problems that we could really do away with if we just had a different vision of traffic enforcement that really brought the traffic stop being back to what they should be about, which is traffic and traffic safety. Uh, within the law enforcement community, I think there's there is an idea that it that traffic uh, stops are more than just traffic stops. You know that that, that they provide a, a tool for the police to do what society has asked police to do, which is basically to kind of be between us and the quote unquote bad guys. Um, you know the, the 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 people that you know need to be caught and, and you know and mm-hmm. and put in jail because they've done some kind of property crime or, or or violent act or something like that and i think everybody agrees somebody who commits those kinds of act need they need to be um dealt with uh through our through our uh, criminal justice system in some in some fashion but what um and and what the the law enforcement agencies seem to suggest is that these contacts that they have through traffic enforcement does provide some tools for the the bigger investigations um, uh, or or mm-hmm. those sorts of things where they they run into you know somebody who has a has a gun in the car where they're not suppo- you know they're not a person who should ha- is supposed to have a gun or you know the drug trade uh, those sorts of things um, a lot of times when people hear police reform you know I think especially in Arkansas, I think people here, well, you're trying to go easy on, on the folks who, you know, are out there doing bad things. I, I doubt very seriously that's what you're arguing. Um, uh, so help me to understand why the, um, the traffic stop uh, ought to not be in the inventory of law enforcement officers as, as part of their investigative tool. Right. And I think that these are really important um, points. And, you know, there absolutely is, um, you know, anecdotal, uh, you know, cases that we can look to where the traffic stop has led to uh, officers uh, apprehending, uh, you know, certain uh, criminal suspects, whether they're high profile criminal suspects or um, you know, just uh, criminal suspects during routine uh, investigatory work. Yeah, I think you but mentioned what you, I, you mentioned oh, Ted, Ted Bundy and uh, right and Timothy McVeigh in your in your research paper. Exactly, but yeah. what I would um, you know sort of stress to uh, those who are really concerned about these issues is that first I would look to the um, you know the empirical data and what we know from empirical data, where you know the traffic stop. Um, currently, we're holding on to the traffic stop as this law enforcement tool, thinking that it's doing the type of work on the whole that we really want it to do. But if we look to the empirical data, 
the reality is that um, you know, based on you know recent statistics, um, less than uh, you know ten percent of the stops and you know stops in which either the person is searched or their car is searched is resulting in any criminal evidence at all, and. That means that in the overwhelming majority of times in which we have drivers stopped and searched, uh, or in whether it's their cars or whether it's their, uh, you know, their person, their pockets, um, you know, maybe their clothing, uh, officers aren't finding criminal evidence. But what we know is that, uh, in particular, within communities of color and members of communities of color, the way in which these traffic stops are used as pretextual tools to target particular people. Um, there's serious psychological harm that occurs. There's serious um, undercutting of trust between law enforcement communities and uh, between law enforcement and you know, members of particular communities. And what we're seeing is that um, all too often these sorts of incidents are devolving into uh, police violence and officer killings against those who are stopped. So what I would say is that if we're worried about criminal enforcement, traffic stops aren't doing the work that we want them to do. So if the goal is to stop drug interdiction or uh, you know stop weapons interdiction, we need better tools as a society to really address those types of problems. And the traffic stop given all the harms that we're seeing from decades of which the traffic stop has been used as just an ineffective crime control tool, um, we need just a different way. And so, you know, and, and you know, what I would say is that, you know, there's also you know, many folks within law enforcement that don't want to be doing traffic enforcement or don't want to be doing this type of work. And, you know, right now we're in a position where we place so much responsibility on police to take care of so many different social problems that um, we need to start really thinking about different ways to achieve public safety and really what public safety should mean within communities that don't necessarily, um, you know, burden police to address problems that we can solve through other means. So you've kind of divided that up talking about, you know, 10% of the, of the traffic stops result in, in some kind of criminal uh, charges. Um, so you've got 90% that are, are, can be problematic, uh, depending on, on why they're pulled over. Um, it, uh, so are, are you su suggesting that, you know, if, if there was some other way to improve that 90%, um, to where police law enforcement officers were, were not doing the pretextual stops and, or, or using, um, using traffic stops as, as something really beyond a, a true traffic stop, uh, that, that, that would be fine. But it seems to me you're suggesting that you, you feel like it's just, it's so much of an issue within traditional law enforcement that these functions need to be separated, that that's really the only way to get to this. Yeah, I mean, there are going to be certain, um, you know, I, I want to be clear that under the system, it doesn't mean that a uh, police officer will never be able to stop a vehicle. Um, you know, there, and in fact, there might be certain serious traffic violations that we still want police involved. And some examples might be, um, you know, DUI crimes, or it might be uh, stolen vehicle issues. 
Um, but the point that I'm stressing here is that um, we should be moving to a system where low-level traffic offenses, like stop sign violations or failure to signal, that these types of situations, we shouldn't be enabling opportunities where they're devolving into something much more than just enforcing that traffic violation. And what we know, at least from the empirical data, is that you know, the, the traffic stop, we're holding onto it as a criminal enforcement tool, but it's not doing the work that, you know, even those who are, you know, in favor of traffic stops in the hands of the police that we want it to do. And not only that, there is a lot of harm that is um, being imposed by, you know, continuing to rely on police to primarily enforce these types of uh, low-level traffic offenses. And so, you know, my basic proposal is that we need to be rethinking what public safety means on our roads and highways and that traffic stops should really be a transportation issue and that we need different solutions to reach traffic safety and relying on police isn't necessary to get there. So in that kind of scenario, what, what are the... I guess what would be the triggers for the law enforcement agencies, not the traffic monitors, but the law enforcement agency to be able to pull over a vehicle? Right. So, of course, you know, um, you know let's say you have a situation where you have officers that, um, you know, maybe are responding to, uh, uh, you know, let's say a bank robbery and they know that the suspects, you know, fled in a particular vehicle uh, and, you know, they stopped the vehicle in order to apprehend those suspects. You know, those types of situations would, um, you know, my framework doesn't necessarily address that because that's really not a traffic issue. You're really just stopping a criminal suspect in a vehicle. Um, you know, where um, there might be more difficult traffic situations, and this is really where communities are gonna have to come to the table and really think what they want in a particular type of system. Um, there are certain traffic offenses, even among jurisdictions that treat run-of-the-mill traffic offenses like stop sign violations or, um, you know, taillight violations as non-criminal offenses that they keep as crimes. And the more serious traffic violations are things like, um, you know, DUI offenses, uh, maybe stolen vehicle offenses. These are the types of more serious traffic violations that there's going to have to be a serious public conversation about whether it's necessary and whether we want police to be continue uh, to be involved in those types of um, uh, traffic offenses. But those types of offenses um, are, you know, relatively rare. When we think about the number of traffic stops that occur every year across the country, um, it's over 20 million traffic stops, many of which are for very minor traffic violations. And so, you know, the idea here with this framework is that the overwhelming majority of traffic enforcement and basic traffic enforcement, when we're thinking about traffic safety, would be handled through these unarmed civil uh, employees that operate completely separately from the police. Um, you mentioned, I want to give one firm example of kind of what you're talking about, and you mentioned in your research the story of Sandra Bland, um, mm -hmm. who was a 28-year-old uh, black woman in Texas, pulled over for failing to signal. Um, and then a Texas state trooper pulled her over. She was a little frustrated, um, 
uh, you know, the officer, I think, asked, you know, asked her to put out her cigarette and um, each interaction between her and the trooper just kind of amped up the intensity uh, more and more before it was all over with. Uh, he pulled her out of the car, um, you know, because she refused to follow his orders. Um, uh, he threatened a taser. He arrested her. And uh, I think uh, two or three days later, she ends up, you know, being found in the jail having committed suicide. Um, you know, that's a, that's a bit different than, uh, you know, some of the some of the direct violent, you know, instances that we've talked about. But it's uh, um, uh, but her taking her own life, you know, at that point, you really do have to start going, well, why was she in jail to begin with? Right. And, you know, what that incident really reflects, and I've I've studied this in in other research of mine, is that so many of the situations in which these traffic stops escalate, they're really not random escalation. They're very much tied to the ways in which officers are invoking their authority during the traffic stop, whether it's telling someone that they're um, you're telling someone to get out of their vehicle, whether it's they're placing their hands on someone through their window, um, whether it's talking to them in a really aggressive tone. Uh, and you know what the incident shows is that so much of what's at stake in a traffic stop today is so much more than traffic and in unnecessary ways. And so what I'm hoping to do through um, you know this different approach is, to give us a different path ahead that prevents these sorts of encounters from devolving into these, um, you know, unfortunate and unnecessary, uh, you know, either killings or, um, you know, serious uh, you know, impositions of harm against stop drivers and passengers. And you know, there are one. There's one way that you might think about this along police training, and I always, of course, think that you know, better police training is better than nothing at all. But I think that where we're at as a point as a society now is that we need to be thinking about deeper solutions and, um, you know, newer reimaginations of how we're addressing social problems that are going to, um, you know, help us prevent these types of cases on the whole from happening over and over again. The, you know, I was trying to imagine what... um kind of how somebody with a law enforcement background would, would hear some of this. Um, and, and perhaps you've had some interactions with them to, uh, to, to talk about your ideas. I, I'm not sure on that, but the, you know, it, if I were a law enforcement officer, I, I could, I, I could imagine that they might approach this and say, well, they're basically saying that, you know, we can't be trusted to interact with the public. Um, and, and you know that that it it takes this whole creation of a different agency because we don't want law enforcement officers to have that interaction with the public uh, that that comes through traffic stops. Uh, uh, it, it, is it fair for them to react that way? Well, I mean, what I would suggest is that um, yeah, I would reframe the question as saying that it's not necessarily that moving in this direction. Um, is saying that law enforcement can't be trusted. It's more of asking, you know, is it really necessary to have law enforcement do this type of work? And 
the trust issues it, it, we're really asking is what we know that's happening during traffic stops in terms of you know situation and stop after stop really involving into unnecessarily violence against communities of color in particular is that undercutting trust in ways that you know law enforcement wants i mean right now the law the, the traffic stop is you know not a symbol of just a momentary inconvenience for so many people. And it's a tool that, although you know many people in law enforcement, their gut intuition might be something that helps them um, you know enforce criminal laws, the way in which this has been used has really undermined and undercut public trust. And so um, you know one system, for instance, New Zealand, which um, had this type of system for several decades, actually um, you know, saw that trust in law enforcement increased when they separated uh, basic traffic enforcement duties from law enforcement. And for six decades, they followed um, this type of approach. You know, there were some differences, but generally speaking, they had a separate um, you know, national civil agency that handled traffic offenses separate from um, the national police. And so if trust is really the goal that law enforcement is um, hoping for, then there are strong reasons to embrace this type of system that re-delegates the um, you know, minor and routine uh, and you know, really run-of-the-mill traffic offenses to a non-policing body. Given some of the <clears throat> violent interactions that have occurred during, during some traffic stops, um, you know, I'm trying to think, especially during this transition, um, you know, would I want a loved one of mine to become an unarmed traffic monitor? You know, would I, would I feel comfortable sending them out there, mm -hmm. uh, knowing that, you know, at 11 o'clock at night, they might be pulling over a car and, and you know, on a simple traffic violation and it, it, it could, you know. I guess I don't assume, you know, that that uh, that everybody behind the steering wheel is going to necessarily be a good person, um, and and may react negatively even to this unarmed person. Um, do do to, to take this new approach? Do we have to accept that at at some point those you know one of those folks is going to get into a situation that may may end tragically? I think this is a great question and, you know, something that, um, you know, we're going to have to carefully think about. You know, what I've suggested in my work is that, um, you know, if we went in this direction, any, um, you know, I call them traffic monitors, but these civil employees should always be trained in basic de-escalation and self-defense tactics uh, and provided um, with that training. Um, you know, and you know, there are always going to be these isolated incidents that um, you know might devolve into violence, and you know those should be addressed under the law. Um, but what I've actually shown in my research is uh, in a prior study that I published in the Michigan Law Review in 2019, um, I analyzed 10 years of uh, data uh, of traffic stops across the state uh, in Florida that devolved into violence against officers, and. What I learned from the research and what the findings showed were that situations in which officers experienced assaults um, during traffic stops that were routine uh, were fairly rare. Um, they were relatively low risk and they often didn't involve weapons. 
And rather than being um, sort of random incidents of violence and really police training videos perpetuate this idea that the traffic stop is this exceptionally dangerous, um, you know, situation for officers and that at any minute, you know, an officer, for instance, could be randomly shot. What my research showed was that the overwhelming majority of the uh, stops that devolved into uh, violence against officers uh, really were connected to the ways in which they were invoking their authority during the traffic stop above and beyond asking for basic documentation or, um, you know, maybe, you know, can I see your driver's license and registration? So my point is that if we deflated the stakes of traffic stops to really be just about traffic, then um, much of this violence will, you know, hopefully go away. Um, but really what we're seeing as to why these uh, encounters are devolving so quickly is because the stakes of a traffic stop today are just not really about traffic or just much higher than traffic. So, you know, of course, you know, we could never be in a system where there's never going to be any violence against someone who conducts this type of work. But my hope is that, you know, if we think about the situations in which violence is happening now against officers and knowing that it's connected to um, you know, authority that these civil agents wouldn't have. They wouldn't be able to do criminal background checks. They wouldn't be able to arrest uh, you know, people behind the car or tell them to get out because they're under arrest. That we'd see even fewer of these stops um, devolving into violence. The, um, uh, one of the things that every public official has to, uh, has to face are budgetary constraints. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and certainly here in Arkansas, you know, we, we see those debates going on all the time. Um, how challenged, challenging do you think it would be to, to put forward a case for creating, you know, a whole, a whole new agency, um, uh, that I can just imagine in the Arkansas legislature, you know, would be, uh, you know, considered, you know, growing government, you know, th those sorts of things. Um, uh, so even even if you accept that you know some of these improvements will happen uh with this approach um you know i i think that's that's part of that debate that would happen within the halls of legislatures and city councils and all as well so how do you overcome that yeah and you know, there i think this is a complex question with um many different layers so one of the ways that we might approach this question about um, budget issues is, you know, my hope is that when we reframe traffic stops as being less of a policing issue and just a core transportation issue, that this might open up funding sources that really aren't available um, today to deal with traffic enforcement. And so my hope would be that um, you know federal transportation agencies, state transportation agencies, could really assist localities, and in particular, um, you know, maybe uh, localities that are smaller or in regions that don't have um, maybe as big of budgets. Sort of helping localities to get this framework um, off of the ground. I think one of the key questions that we're going to have to ask is, um, you know, the harms that we get of police being continually involved in traffic enforcement, they're not only psychologically damaging, but they're also costly as a society, um, you know, both uh, you know, in terms of social costs, 
Um, right now, the ways in which these traffic stops are undermining public trust in law enforcement uh, also makes their job more difficult in a lot of ways. So, you know, it might be that on the front end, there's an investment that has to happen in order to get these types of agencies off the ground. But the overall benefits that we see from separating the traffic stop from everyday police work could really play out in the end to um, advantage communities and to achieve public safety in the way that they, um, you know, th that communities really uh, imagine. Uh, and so, you know, I think there are a lot of complicated layers to this, um, but those are two, uh, you know, sort of questions that I think are the next, are the next natural steps. Um, and, you know, my hope is that, uh, you know, even if this is an investment, knowing the benefits that we get from it, uh, it's an investment that's worth it to make. Um, well, as we wrap up, I, I, I appreciate your time. And, and uh, is there something I haven't covered with you that you feel like you, you really need to stress uh, to our listeners? I mean, I would just stress that, you know, right now we're really at the beginning of um, you know, rethinking some of these problems. And, you know, in the United States, we have, um, you know, Berkeley that has already voted on a proposal to move in this direction. Um, there was a, a bill proposed in the Florida legislation that would move, or the Florida legislature that would move in this direction. And so I may, I would say just stressing that, um, you know, these problems are um, not going to take overnight to solve. There are multiple layers to them, but that these at least early initiatives are showing that there's um, you know, a real desire and will to uh, think about traffic enforcement in a different way. And what I hope that my research does is provide a path forward for those uh, localities and municipalities that want uh, to move in this direction, along with states and the federal government, to, to help uh, states and uh, localities and municipalities uh, develop these types of uh, new agencies and frameworks to address these problems. Well, Dr. Woods, it is definitely an intriguing notion and certainly one deserving of consideration as, as uh, really our whole nation ponders police reforms. Um, thanks for visiting with us about your ideas, and I just wanted to tell our listeners that if you want to dig in a little deeper, uh, you can find Dr. Wood's research by visiting um, a website, ssrn.com, and searching for Jordan Blair Woods, or you can search for the report itself, Traffic Without the Police. Um, that's it for this edition of Speaking of Arkansas. I'm Greg Harton for the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Thanks, everybody. Mm -hmm.